You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? You well this morning? Just great to see you. Greetings to all of you online. Thank you for being at Austin Christian Fellowship. Can we thank our worship team for doing us? Every week, it's just so good. Um, You guys online, thanks especially for being here. We welcome you. It is uh, passion season, Lent season around the country and around the world, and it's a great time to be pursuing a relationship with God. If at any point you want to know more about our church, about us, you can text the phrase, and this is for you guys as well, text the phrase ACF Connect to 512-866-9908, and we'll send you a link back. And uh, we have amazing student ministry, hard time to be a kid. We have amazing children's ministry. We have amazing prayer ministry, amazing small groups, men's, women's, ladies, men's, women's retreat. I heard it was amazing. I heard you guys had a blast out there. Way to go. Uh, so anyway, feel free to let us serve you in this season. We'd love to. A um, couple of quick announcements. Yes, Easter services are in two weeks. Uh, wow. And so we'll be, I think we're going to be outside, weather permitting. It looks like the weather's going to be fine. So we'll be outside again on the hilltop. We do it at least twice a year, Christmas Eve and uh, Easter. It's just an amazing service. We are, we are not going to have a Good Friday service for reasons I cannot go into. Um, so I um, called my friend Jonathan Spencer at Austin Baptist Church yesterday and said, can you take some ACFers for Good Friday? And being the good Baptist that he is, he said, absolutely. You're not going to get them back. And so uh, we're going to promote the ABC. So I love Jonathan. We're going to promote the ABC service, uh, 6 p.m., Good Friday, and hope you guys can participate in that if you want to. Uh, the next weekend is baptism, and it's, the whole service is about baptism, and it's always amazing. So if some of you need to be baptized. It's the most immediate act of obedience you can do once you receive Christ. And so, more on that, if you want to know more about it online, you can sign up. There's a slide there. Um, and also, if you have no lunch plans today, by the way, Connie would tell me to tell you that she's recruiting. I think she's bribing for volunteers for Easter. We have candy. And so, if you want to serve Easter weekend, it's a fun time to serve. If you have no lunch plans today, come back at about 1245, go to the barn. We'll serve you lunch. And we have childcare provided. And it's our first of four Next Steps classes Today's introduction to ACF, and if you're new to ACF, want to know more about us, it's a great time to get to know us, ask me questions, hear the mission, vision, values, meet some people, and maybe start your journey into being part of the family. (sighs) Okay, so good to see you. Let me pray. Lord God, we love you. Thank you for the morning. Thank you for the amazing uh, worship and this congregation engaging you the way they do. Thank you for our friends online, our congregation online. Bless them today. Encourage them, those who are worshiping with us from their homes or wherever they are, from other parts of the world even. Uh, Lord, um, we continue to pray for peace on earth. We're not oblivious at all to the pain and suffering in Europe right now, in the Ukraine and the countries around it and the displacement and the people leaving homes and family and the mass amount of funerals and just the heartache that's over there. And as um, was prayed earlier, Um, I think maybe on our stage here before service, you know, you control everything about the human heart, including Vladimir Putin's Lord, and you you can humble him right now if you choose to. So we pray for him. We pray you break his heart with the reality of, we pray for the man in white who has appeared to 
Muslims and Hindus by the thousands, hundreds of thousands, all over the planet, just because of prayer, to appear to him. Uh, pray for an Apostle Paul kind of moment that puts him on his face, God. I pray you'd heal this nation, that nation. I pray you'd heal this one too. Now, Lord, as I teach, I pray you'd anoint me and let this be a, a life-changing life opportunity, please. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so it's a time of year where people are thinking about spiritual things. The run-up to Easter is always fun as a pastor because people, uh, some people will, do, will engage their religious side and do Lent or other things um, just because they've been raised that way. People tend to be spiritually inquisitive, to be thinking more about Christian things. There's typically a Time Magazine article about Jesus, a big cover story of who is Jesus. It's just kind of the, it's kind of the, it's the politically correct time to talk about spiritual things. And as you know, I'm very driven by what's politically correct, so um, I'm going to do so. The series for this week and next is the Jesus Encounter. I'm going to give you two biblical stories, one that ended really well and one that ended really poorly, both of, of men who were leaders who had encounters with Jesus, and they could not have turned out more different. The one today is the one that turned out positively. The one next week will be the one that, where the leader just couldn't bring himself to the point of choosing to believe, and we'll talk about why. Because both happen every day. You don't get a one and done with Jesus, by the way. You, there are multiple chances to know God and love God and serve God throughout a human life, but these were two very crescendo moments for these men. So um, if you have a Bible, I want you to find John chapter three or look up on your smartphone or put it on the screen here. A man I've, I've loved to teach on. I admire this man significantly. His name is Nicodemus. And he's the one who got it right. Took him a minute. That's okay. Sometimes salvation and belief in Christ is a process. Doesn't happen overnight necessarily. Some of you are in process right now. Some of you are in process. And it's okay. You're in the right place to be in process. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So the Pharisees were an elite religious party within Judaism, the Jewish faith. They were the experts on the Old Testament law and the several hundred interpretations or additions to it. You had what Moses gave us and they had uh, 700 additions to what that law meant and he was an expert in that. He was identified by his religious robes and his people kind of standing back in his, out of his way when he would walk down the streets. He was an elder in the nation of Israel, not just in age, but also in respect and religious commitment. He was, um, would have been a very fine-tuned observer of every detail of religious behavior. Um, a ruler of the Jews means that he was on the Jewish Supreme Court. He's a Supreme Court justice. Just think big dog, Okay. Spiritual big dog. This man came to Jesus at night. Um, this would have been a highly scandalous meeting. It was a really risky meeting for Nicodemus because 
by this time, Christ wouldn't make any friends in the religious establishment. And for Nicodemus to reach out to him was an act of unbelievable courage, but it's still one he chose to do quietly. So he came at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's an amazing statement, especially for a spiritual skeptic or someone in spiritually inquisitive. He uses the term rabbi. He connects his teaching with his signs. We know you're a teacher because you do signs. The signs are teachings. Isn't that interesting? The signs point to something bigger than themselves. So this is a lot of, he's given away a lot of ground already to Jesus. If he's coming for a fight, he's not going to get one because he's pretty much acknowledging a lot about Christ as it is. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. Jesus responded and said to him, truly, truly, that's amen, amen. If you lead a sentence with amen, it means you better listen. We close sentences with amen. Jesus started his sentences with amen. Try that at home to your spouse and see if it works sometime. Amen, Susie. Listen to me. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, amen, amen, this is the truth. Nicodemus does the RCA dog look and says, how can a person be born when he is old? I don't understand. He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time to be born. Can he? Is that what you're talking about? Nicodemus said, truly, truly, amen, amen. I say to you, unless someone is born of the water, reference to physical birth, the breaking of the water, and the spirit, spiritual birth. Physical birth, which is standard factory issue, spiritual birth, which is optional. Unless he's born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh, of the water, is flesh. That which is born of spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Like, duh, for Jesus, it's like, duh. How do you not know this, religious guy? So I'm going to show you a verse from 16 chapters down the road. John 19, when Jesus had been executed. Nicodemus, verse 39, who had first come to him at night. John says, remember Nicodemus? He also came to bear up the body of Jesus. Bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 100 litres weight. Nicodemus is mentioned one more time in John chapter 7 when he's actually defending Jesus. And what we know now is that as after this conversation in John chapter 3, the wheels started turning for this religious leader. And at some point, including at the burial of Jesus, he fully identified with the followers of Jesus and with Jesus' cause. So this guy had to jettison everything that he was known for. But when he's, when he's taking the body of Jesus and putting his own expenses into it and hovering with people over the body of Jesus who were considered outlaws, he's in. He's in. He was, in the very invitation of Jesus given to him, born again. I wonder if you can point to a moment in your life 
when you've been born again. It typically comes to a head as does the birth process. The birth process takes nine months, but typically there's a point. Some of you will remember it. It'd be very, mine was very dramatic as a child. Some it's more gradual, but there's some time when you kind of, we say at ACF, cross the line, go from seeker to follower, from, from inspecting to believing, embracing, from standing to sitting, use your metaphor. And I just think it's really cool that Nicodemus got there, especially with all that he had to lose. Next week, we'll talk to a guy who had equal amounts to lose, and he chose not to. So what is an encounter with Jesus? Well, you're having one right now. Anytime, and it was different for these guys because it was in the flesh. Nicodemus could see Jesus, but he still had to have faith that that which he'd been reading about and had been taught about for centuries before was standing in front of him, not fitting the mold at all. Jesus did not come to bring political restoration to Israel. He came to, brought to, to restore the kingdom of David and bring a spiritual restoration and bring all people into the fold of God, including Gentiles. And that wasn't something they were expecting. So he was, that's why he came. It's like, help us understand. You look like you should be from God, but you're, you're, your message doesn't add up. And it still required faith for Nicodemus to follow Christ. It requires faith for you. We have something that Nicodemus did not have. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. And we have roughly 2,000 years of church history telling us something happened. As a friend of mine once said to me who was not a believer, he said something happened and he didn't quite say it that cleanly. <laughs> An encounter with Jesus is when you have those moments where the light closes in around you and all you can really see and think about is him. And sometimes your heart will start to beat fast in your chest or sometimes the hair will stand up on your arms, the back of your neck, or you get goosebumps or you'll be moved to tears or your, your spirit will race and you'll have this pull, this conviction, this inner, this inner challenge to do something. This voice saying, this is real, this is true. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And this impulse, which you may feel the need to feel, the need to push down to just like, where do I sign? Well, that's, you don't want to fight that. That's a Jesus encounter. It, it always happen in church. That can happen on a hillside watching a thunderstorm blow over. That can happen in reading a book about spiritual things and the quiet voice of Christ will move you. It is happening all over the world, as I mentioned earlier, to specifically Hindus and Muslims in closed countries where missionaries can't go. And so the missionary strategy is just to pray for Jesus to appear. And by the hundreds of thousands now, if not the millions, the, the, the common denominator is these Hindus and Muslims are seeing in their dreams a man in white who identifies himself as the God of light, the God of truth, the God of gods, and says, find a Bible and read it and believe it. That to Jesus, I'd call that a Jesus encounter. 
it's harder for some of us because we have Jesus and church baggage and sometimes the, the baggage of Jesus or church, and it's not really Jesus, the baggage of church gets in the way of the real thing and we have a hard time filtering what's real and what isn't. Or we're so mad at a religious leader, we have cast off everything, including Jesus. And a Jesus encounter kind of casts all that to the side and says, you need to deal with the issue, and the issue is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. J-E-S-U-S period. So what did Nicodemus get right? Let's talk about it. First of all, he was willing to humble himself before Jesus. That's huge. It's never good to approach Jesus as if he's a peer. He's not. Even if you don't believe in him. I mean, you tried getting the calendar changed because you lived. This man is not your peer. I mean, even if you think he's just a human. Look what, look what the, the, there's a book I read, look at the blast radius of Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. Pretty significant blast radius. Name a discipline, name an art, name a science that hasn't been affected by him. So you don't really want to approach Jesus like you're equals because you're not. He is at least the greatest human who ever lived. And then you have to ask the question, why? So Nicodemus had the sense to come to this man and go, Rabbi. He wasn't called Rabbi. Rabbi, you're something. <laughs> Let's go on a limb here. You're something. And so he had the willingness to humble himself. Secondly, he had an open mind. That took a lot of courage. It took a lot of willingness to set aside preconceived ideas and thoughts and religion. God did not create religion, man did. You have to know that religion is man's effort to get to God because there's an outward stimuli that something is there and religion is the answer to that stimuli. And it never achieves its purpose. You can never get to God through religion. It's impossible because it doesn't deal with the inner issue. Religion does a wonderful job of dealing with external issues, but it really can't deal with that DNA called S-I-N. See what I did there? Did you get that? Yeah. I do more good stuff by accident than I ever do on purpose. I want you to know that. So Nicodemus had to kind of jettison his preconceived ideas and go, okay, I need to consider this man. Third, he did his homework. He watched Jesus. He listened to Jesus. Hey, he talked to Jesus. Try that. And finally, when, all the, when everything added up, when given the opportunity, he identified with Jesus. So he was, he was humble. He had an open mind. I, I might even add, he took the initiative he came to Jesus by night. Remember, t years ago, we had a little, it wasn't a debate, it was a conversation with some atheists. 
Easter weekend. They happened to have their atheist convention in Austin on Easter weekend. It was on purpose. And we said, as long as you're in town, let's party. And our definition of a party was, let's talk about religion and God and faith. And one of them saying, the, the director of the National Atheist Association saying, I just wish he, I, I want to believe in God. I just wish he'd give me a reason to. I'm like, you just exhaled. Really? Look around, just get, show me a miracle. I'm like, hello? Um, like, the, you know, the onus is on God to prove himself. Not really. He was here first. I think it's cool that, Jesus, that Nicodemus took the initiative and the risk of failing. The risk of walking away disappointed that Jesus wasn't all that he thought he was. He took the initiative. And I've got to affirm you online and I've got to affirm you on here today, you guys in the room today, because you're here. You've taken the initiative. If you'll go outside here at Four Points and we can send you uh, books online, but we've got a whole slew of books out there that help people taking the initiative. Some, some that have been written by great thinkers in history about why it makes sense to believe. Why it's not foolish to believe. That's taking the initiative. Read a book. Think about it. All right, so let's talk about you for the next few minutes. What's a, what's a winning, what's it take to say yes? Because I know some of you and some of you online and some of you that you are friends with, this service may not be for you, but it may be for a friend, really want to believe. But there is an issue, a hang up, an unanswered question, a hurt, the number one reason people choose not to believe God is pain, not science. You can look at the science and come to just as much of a conclusion there's a God as what do you want to find? You'll find it there. It's like the accountant that you ask, he asks, you ask him what two plus two is and he says, what do you want it to be? Scientists are the same way. The reason people reject God is pain disappointment. No God worth his salt would ever let that happen. So I need a reason not to believe. So let's talk about that encounter that ends in a yes. Let's talk about what it would take for you if you're not yet there to get there. And again, if you're not, not yet there, can I just affirm you for being here or being online? Because you could be it's a pretty day outside. Blue bonnets are out. Zilker's probably packed right now. And yet here you are. Well done. So, in the spirit of Nicodemus, a winning encounter looks like you humble yourself. And let's add to that, you take the initiative. That you will be willing to go to this historical figure with um, the, the preconceived idea that there's something there. Again, you're not approaching an equal. We're not going to approach Jesus as if he's a peer. That devalues him and values you a little too much. You, you are, 
you're not equal to Jesus. And I, do, I don't know any other way to say that. So don't, don't come at him with arms crossed and saying, you know, prove yourself yet again to me. The people who do that, and I know several of them typically do that because he or his people have let them down. So humbling yourself includes checking all the reasons you don't want to believe in him at the door. Or checking all the reasons you've chosen not to believe in him at the door. And maybe acknowledging the uphill battle that he has or that you have to get to faith or he has to get to you. Just acknowledge it. Look, you know, I've been an atheist or an agnostic or spiritual but not religious, anti-church, whatever, for 15 years, Jesus, so... I'm trying to be humble here, but you got to, this is going to be a minute. This is going to take some work. Okay. And I know he's not in the room, and I know he's not with you, but he is in the room, and he is with you. You can't see him, but he's there. So, you know, maybe a little creepy at first, but talk to him. Give him a chance to act like God. Okay. Just give him a chance. If he doesn't, okay. But you have nothing to lose. Roll the dice. And, and if you pray, he might just respond. So if he is God, the son of God, the resurrected king of kings, Lord of Lords, give him a chance to act like that as you seek him. Secondly, please open your mind. I love... I loved, just getting in scuffles, theological scuffles with people who tell me they have to stop thinking to be a Christian. Tell me one person who's ever read the Bible who stopped reading it because it was too easy to understand. Give me just one. Or someone who is bored and falls asleep trying to explain the Trinity. This is God we're talking about. I, talk, I was talking to a, a, a hunting guide in Alaska. And she was in Alaska because she'd run from everything, mad at dad, mad at God, the whole thing. And I started, I started throwing theology at her. Um, just have you thought about, have you thought about, have you thought about, have you thought about? And she's like, wait, wait, wait. Now you're asking me to open my mind. You're asking me to think. I was like, duh. We get, we get, we get accused, and I really, we get accused of being non-thinkers. Really? Really. At least have the courage to read something pro-Jesus and just hear the case. If you're so insecure in your unbelief, maybe, you sh maybe you're that way for a reason. But if you're so insecure in your disbelief, you can't read something pro-Jesus, you're just going to read stuff from people who hate Jesus and think he's not real or a liar or a scoundrel or whatever, then you're not really having an authentic search. I, I read the books of people who don't believe. I'm not, I'm not insecure enough in my faith to be intimidated by them. So I read books by people and listen to stories of people who have walked away from faith or never had it. Okay, I'm okay. So open your mind enough to have the courage to read from someone. And John is not a bad witness, by the way. 
Just have the courage to read something with somebody who said yes to Jesus before you choose to say no. Third, do your homework. Do your homework. I got a text from an ACF kid not long ago in a classroom at university that shall remain nameless. And she said, I'm in my religion class right now. My religion teacher just told me there's a pretty good chance that Jesus never lived at all. What do I say? And I got so mad. Because even hardened, atheistic, secular scholars acknowledge Jesus was real. So there's this religion professor with a bunch of sweet minds in front of her that has an agenda. And the agenda is not to talk about what's scientifically true. It's I want to promote my agenda. I'm wounded and I want to make you wounded like I am. So, you know, Jesus probably, all you kids out there who believe in this fairy tale, he probably never really existed. Well, show me any scholar who's worth his salt, not a believing scholar, show me a scholar who really believes that. So I wrote her back and said, ask her if I can debate her in front of the class. Well, that's, it was, I got crickets back. I'll come down there now and talk with her in front of the whole class. Let's roll. Because there, I mean, it's awfully hard to explain why we're here if the guy didn't even live. And you got lots of secular evidence and references, including the blast radius. This man did something. Something sure happened. So, I mean, that, that there's no integrity in that at all. To stand up in front of a bunch of kids at a, at a, at a world-renowned university and say, well, you know, Jesus probably didn't live. And they accuse us of brainwashing. Do your homework. Have the courage to do your homework. Read the books. Read the... Read the Read people who've wrestled with this. It doesn't, you, have to, you don't have to preclude that Christ is the Son of God. But goodness, it's awfully hard to build a case that he wasn't here. That's, that's, that's foolish. Look at him for what he was, listen to what he claimed, and vote yes or no. But don't write him off as somebody who never existed. That's just cowardice. Friends, this is, what is in the stake here, what is in the balance here is eternity. You might want to give this some thought. So humble yourself. Open your mind. I think humble yourself includes pray. Do your homework. You know, a couple months ago, we baptized 30-something people in this room, a few of them spontaneously. We'll do some more weekend. I've, I've, been, to, I've been baptizing people since I've been in ministry, which is 40-something years now, I've never yet had to put, I've never yet had to use nitrous oxide or, or brainwashing methods to get somebody in the water. Not one. I've wanted to. <laughs> Trust me. Like, you need to be, I'm like, I want to, like, break arms sometimes. Never once had to. The tears come, the hearts change, and then, and then there were this, and now they become this, well, but he didn't live. Finally, when you have a Jesus encounter and you've done your homework and you've prayed and you've opened your mind and you've humbled yourself, why don't you just choose to identify with him like Nicodemus did? Because that's where life 
begins. It's kind of like a football team driving all the way down the field and getting in the red zone and going, never mind, cross the line. I know there's fears, I know there's confusion, I know there's what ifs, and they're all worthy, but he's worthier. Submit your fears, your worries, your concerns at his feet and let him, let him heal you. He will swoop in with the power of his Holy Spirit, forgive sin, heal wounds, remove scars, settle your brain. Some of you need to have your brain settled, just settled. He'll do that, your mind. He'll settle your mind. He'll heal your soul. He'll give life to your dead spirit. He'll give you purpose. He'll give you meaning. And not ever once will he ask you to quit thinking. Not once. Nicodemus was a really smart, powerful man. And he found someone smarter and more powerful and he humbled himself to him and got saved. He said yes. I'd like for you to do the same. Humble yourself. Acknowledge what you're feeling even right now. Speak the word that will change you, change you forever. To you, I say yes. So will you pray with me, please? <laughs> um, you guys online, you can use a raise your hand button. In a room like this, we're probably mostly Christians, but there's always someone here, typically, who's not yet made the call. And if you find yourself today in the camp of, I wanna be a Christian. Not, I really thought this was a great sermon. I really, you, boy, I really grilled what you said, Will. No, I wanna be a, I've never been a Christian. I've never crossed the line, have not been baptized. That was my decision. And I wanna, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or sign any cards or, you know, give blood, okay? But I would like to pray for you. So we just raise your hand where I can see you? Anybody? Okay, okay. Wow, cool. Bless you. Anybody else? Just so you know, it's time. Good for you. Anybody else? got goosebumps. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this will be a moment of salvation. A moment of yes. To you. I pray for these who raise their hands and those who are thinking about it that they'll just know real simply that the scriptures say if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
The scripture says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Lord, I pray you'd send the wonderful wind shear of salvation into this room right now and bring hope and healing and forgiveness and eternity to some hearts that didn't have it when they walked in. I pray that they'll know that the, the earth just stopped moving for them right now as they step into kingdom citizenship. They'll know they're saved. We say yes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how about that? So, we'd love to have you, you guys online. You rock. We love you. You ought to try it in person sometime. How about Easter? We'll see you next week.